Hey, this is Josh Woods. This is the pretty badass, Kelly Klein. This is the Messiah of Pain, Punishment Martinez. This is the T-smashing, jaw-cracking kid from the east side of Cleveland, Ohio, Shane Taylor. This is the voice of Ring of Honor, Bobby Cruz, and you are listening to The Locker Room. Monday after Mania 2019, and you are tuned into the locker room here at hackerhameen.podbean.com as well as simulcast at hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the real, real one, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back inside the locker room. It's me, it's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Whew, what a marathon that was. Now, I'll tell you what, Jargo, it, as rough as it was getting up this morning, uh, late night here on the East Coast, I know you weren't too far behind there in, in the central time, but it, as hard as it was getting up this morning, we've come this far, my brother. But day four of them HTM boys bringing you everything you need to know about the, the grand week, the extended weekend that was WrestleMania. Well, you know, typically when we do this show, we only do it at hackerhameen.podbean.com. So if you are listening on the Hitting the Marks podcast network, you don't normally get this show. But like you were saying, man, we've been doing this for four days. We've reviewed God knows how many shows. We've got to put this one out on both platforms, too. It just seemed logical. Well, I was doing a little math this morning in my head. And I know we both we both started watching about Thursday, correct? Then yeah. We picked up little bits and pieces on Wednesday. But let's, let's start counting from Thursday. So this is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, sometimes we were we were watching multiple shows at once. In that four-day span, how many hours do you think you've logged? Um, I'm guessing that I'm pretty close to pushing 30 hours at this point. Really? I got you. Yeah, well, even, even well, even when you were like watching multiple shows, not just in your own time, but oh, I'm saying like hours actual hours of, of content yes, consumed. Holy God, boy, I would really have to stop and think about that. I mean, I'm well over sixty. I don't think I'm that high because I I had to take a break at a certain point. I had to. I I I've got wives and kids running around here. I have to tend to. Yeah, I, I pretty much just went into like hermit mode. I uh, shut myself off from the world while this was happening. Uh, I, I know you're probably up at least around 45. Oh, at least. Probably closer. I'm probably pretty close to 50 at this point. Well, if you're in that area, me, if I'm up around 60 in the 60s, can you imagine what Alicia is at like? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think I think William has watched absolutely every show that has happened over the course of this weekend. Somehow, some way, I think he's taking uh, toothpicks and shoving them in his eyeballs to keep his eyes open. But I think we might have lost him about halfway through Mania. It seems like there was a lot of people that were dying like flies, especially international viewers. We've got a lot of viewers and, and listeners in Australia, in the UK, that were just straight up tapping out. Well, yeah, you got to. You know, we're, and we're going to get into that here when we actually start breaking down the car, because that is my biggest gripe, and it is to come in at the angle that, that we know, that we live, that is our profession, and that is marketing and events. 
And WWE completely dropped the ball here. You know, this is supposed to be your masterpiece, the one time of the year that everyone is, can just put everything aside and fall in love with your product and the spectacle that is WrestleMania. And yet, WWE, you once again continue to damage your own product. Yep. Before we jump into WrestleMania, I did have a couple of things that I did want to address outside of WrestleMania itself. Uh, number one, congratulations to the Baylor women. They downed Notre Dame yesterday, 82 to 81, to win the NCAA Women's Championship. And tonight, Huckleberry, we have Texas Tech taking on Virginia, 8.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on CBS, which means that literally the second I walk through the door when I get to work tonight, I am going to be in the shit. So, yes, I will not be partaking in Monday Night Raw Live, and God help me if I'm awake for Tuesday SmackDown. Oh, okay, so you're already, you're already opening up this show with your out. Oh, yeah, we're, straight we're, up. You know, we're the rest of us. We still got five more hours of this uh, extended weekend. Hey, motherfucker. Go. Hey, motherfucker. I watched all of that damn show yesterday. You were telling me you were going to take a nap and set an alarm so you could get up for the finish of the women's triple threat. I don't want to hear it. Hey, I pulled through. I pulled through just, you know, just for my shower shower, uh, just to see what was going to happen there. Or actually, I just was afraid I was going to sleep through the alarm. So, so valid. I, I held in there. Come on, man. Hey, I was there from the very get go of that pre-show to the very end. I actually was thinking about it. Also, I had everything. I I had set myself up perfect here in in, in the cave, if you will. Uh, down the bunker. I had everything I needed from the very get go. I think I only got up twice. Good Lord. Texas Tech versus Virginia tonight. Who are you picking to win the national championship tonight? I got to go ACC Homer and go with Virginia. Uh, I just, I, I agree with you there. It's obviously a, you know, ACC thing. You're going to root for them here. Texas Tech, man, they're playing hot. Yeah. They're a, they're a hot team right now. I just think, you know, the, the story there, Virginia, just the redemption of the embarrassment last year being the first number one, the number, were they the number one overall last year as well? Yeah. I mean, you're the top seed in the tournament. The first time a number one is defeated by a 16 to have to live with that for, you know, almost, you know, over a year. And the, the trail that they have kind of blazed through this tournament, I just think it's their time. I, I will tell you this though. We're going to get a first time champ. Yeah. Valid point. All right. Let's, uh, let, let's talk a bit about WrestleMania. Um, I want to start things off with the pre-show, although I will preface with I didn't get to see most of the pre-show. And it's not because I, I didn't try to watch it. It's because somebody had accidentally cut a fiber line about 20 minutes into the pre-show. And it took them the duration of the pre-show to get my internet working again. Trying to uh, stream off of a uh, 4G phone to your TV, not a good idea. Doesn't work very well. Um, very, very choppy. But Huckleberry, what did you think of the pre-show, the presentation of it, and I got to tell you, man, I was losing my fucking mind. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, you're losing your mind there. You, you're still dealing, you know, just more worried about are they going to have this issue fixed before you get to the, you know, the main show here. Uh, like how you stood up there, accidentally cut the cord. Yeah, I'm sure, Jargo. Sure, you don't have any, uh, some muddied up yard tools, a uh, hoe or uh, some shears sitting somewhere back by the shed there. I'm, I'm, 
I'm sure. Number one, it's not nice to talk about Carly like that. Number two, um, no, this was a city of Cedar Rapids thing. Like, it, what actually, what it sounds like happened is uh, somebody hit one of the poles mm-hmm. with a car and basically took Cedar Rapids off of the grid for about an hour and a half last night. Fun stuff, let me yeah, tell you. It was the same guy that uh, bum rushed Bret Hart. But, <laughs> hey, before, before we get into this, you know, we're starting this thing off. You know, I was I was really excited when this thing started. It's WrestleMania. You put everything aside, the terrible build. You, you put aside the hours of wrestling you've already watched, the entertainment, the excitement that you've experienced. It's WrestleMania time. No matter what, this is a, a holiday for us. This is a festival. You're going to enjoy it for those moments, the spectacle. I, I absolutely know, you know, Big Ray the Hami Media Group, everyone be sure to regularly check out the Impact Attack dropping on Saturdays with him and MSG. You know, he was in attendance. Amazing floor seats. Look like Killer he had some seats. tremendous seats just opposite of the stage there when they're coming down. He is vlogging live throughout the day from, you know, from at home when him and his son are getting ready through the parking lot to the seats throughout the show. And his continual message was outside of, of everything, the expectations we have during the build. When you're sitting at home watching this, those are nothing compared to actually being there live. So it was very cool for Ray to share that journey with everyone to kind of see that firsthand and experience it. And what what that means, you know, is, yes, WWE, WrestleMania, this is a destination, sensation, a festival for your fans. For many, it's once in a lifetime. Even outside of that, you know, for, you know, like like Ray's son, for Ray himself, for his family members, for thousands that were there it's it's a first-time experience they might you know individuals might go to multiple of these things but the way it happens it's once a year it's city to city it's experience to experience it's something special these people especially on the east coast you know in the east and the midwest we get up early for events we're ready to represent early on it's not like the west coast where they kind of just mosey in about three quarters of the way through something I mean, if there's an event that starts at five o'clock, we are there at eight, nine in the morning tailgating. We are hyped. We are ready to go, ready to get the party started. And that was the atmosphere in New York. I do want to, you know, hat tip to those fans. They filled that arena early. They stayed excited through a damn majority of that thing, uh, much longer than, than the average fan base would be able to. So a hat tip to them. So, uh, so on that, WWE, you did them exactly no favors by this extended event, no favors to us at home with this extended event, and it starts with this pre-show where you make it, it almost feels like it's mandatory to watch this thing, or it truly is part of the event because you've got things happening, but essentially it is two hours of filler that you're draining the batteries from an amped up audience. So let's talk about the matchups. The WWE Cruiserweight Championship kicking things off. Tony Nese capturing the championship from Buddy Murphy in about 10 minutes and 40 seconds. On uh, the show the other day, I let Huckleberry talk me into picking Buddy Murphy to win this thing, and and so I did, and then I lost points in the PEC. Thanks. Uh, so, Tony Nese, your new Cruiserweight Champion, but, but really, I'm more curious with where do we go with Buddy Murphy from here? Are we going to see Buddy Murphy show up either Monday night on Raw or Tuesday night on SmackDown because what is left for him at 205 Live? Well, I think, you know, this is a time to to congratulate and maybe celebrate what Buddy Murphy did there. It, you look when, you know, he left, when they left, left the tag scene in NXT, it really seemed like they were left for dead. Not really much left for him. Would you say uh, they were forgotten, son? 
That's twice I've used that joke this week. Right, let's let's go with that one there. See if we can get it in a couple more times here. But hey, he went out reinvented himself. Hey, looks tremendous. Uh, Prashana is incredible. I, I think it's time to give him a shot. You know, it's it's time for that next move. Now, let me ask you this though. He has shown that he can fly solo. He has a, a, a tremendous all-around act. Do we necessarily need to move him to the red or blue? I, I don't trust that there is a spot for him right now when I see individuals like Andrade, uh, even Ali, who has kind of been lost in transition since the rise of Kofi Mania. You still have individuals like Kevin Owens, a Sami Zayn who has yet to return. Where does a Buddy Murphy fit into that picture? I feel like he gets lost in the waters. So I would suggest maybe, you know, we were talking about the different, you know, the main event scene, the North American scene in NXT. You know, he is of international flavor. Could he add something to NXT UK? It's hmm. an interesting pairing. Uh, re- re- remind me of this and we'll come and uh, come back to this at the end of the show. Uh, Carmella wins the women's battle Royal that goes 10 minutes and 30 seconds. I didn't see one second of it. Um, was, was this thing any good? Uh, not, not in the least. I, I probably and, will go back and watch it simply because I heard Candice LeRae was in it. Candice LeRae was in it. Uh, for that purpose, do not go back and watch it because what little hair you do have, you will pull out. Oh, my God. It was one of those cases of why is she even in there? They mentioned she is in there. There's Candice LeRae from NXT fame, and immediately she Gets does dunked. like a spot. She goes a spot to the apron, and then it's kind of just like, teetering there and i believe it might have been i want to say it was sarah logan because she had so many bad spots in this match it was unbelievable somehow you know coming into when she joined wwe nxt the pc so much hope for sarah logan and it is like when they got her hands on her that she like they stripped it all the way down and she forgot and she's forgotten everything yeah Uh, uh, just a shell of what she was on the indies but anyway, so uh, Candace goes to the outside. She's kind of just teetering, doing this stupid little spot, holding the ropes because it looks like there's a miscue inside. And then Asuka comes flying across the ring and hits her with uh, the booty bump and, and eliminates her. So that was pretty much the extent of uh, Candace's run in this thing. But, hey, I got excited oh, when they announced her. I thought, hey, she might have a, a, chance, a little bit of a chance here. Other little embarrassing things they continue to show, they have no idea what they're doing with Nikki. I actually saw a promo from Nikki Cross that was kind of floating around. I think it was might have been on Instagram that was absolutely fantastic of Crazy Nikki just kind of doing her Crazy Nikki thing. But, of course, none of that shows up on TV. You know, throughout throughout this, you know, the way she was in this match, nothing. It was almost as embarrassing as during Kofi Mania, how she was, like, front and center there in that cheering. It just completely threw me off. I know we'll get to that. Really nothing from this. Uh, they let Logan get all the way down. To the damn near final, she was in the final three. Well, I I think Carmella eliminated her to yes, win it. Yes, you are right. You are right. Yeah, they, they gave us the, the false finish where holy crap, Sarah Logan won this thing. And I at this time, and it wasn't in a in a good way where I'd forgotten that Kenny King was in the Honor Rumble and then came back in and pulled the move. It was I had forgotten Carmella was in there, so it was they they just really gave this thing to Sarah Logan after that terrible performance that she had. She had. She had Carrie Sane. Carrie Sane went up top to hit a. Also, Carrie's in there too, so that's mm-hmm. going to be another reason that you're going to be just 
utterly disappointed with this. Uh, she, she got a nice elbow drop in later, but she's going for the first elbow, and Logan knocks her down out to the apron. So Saint's just sitting there, and then Logan stares at her, literally for like a hard 30, 45 seconds. Like, why wouldn't you? Because it was mistimed, and she knew she wasn't supposed to eliminate her then because the elbow wasn't hit. So instead of like going and averting her attention somewhere else, she literally just sat there and stared at her. Just froze. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't move on the fly or anything. All around, it was it was tremendous footage for Botchmania. Uh, now there's no other good place to talk about her on the show. Lacey Evans not even in the battle royal. No. So her, her spot well, later on when she just comes out and she walks around for a little bit and go like this thing jumped the shark months ago for me. Like, is this doing anything for anybody at this point? Yeah, they, they've, they've kind of run this thing into the ground. I think so many people were expecting during this, uh, the battle Royal, the women's battle Royal for her to be a late entrant. You know, one of those things where, like, say you had Carmelo sitting there, she won, or you had a few people left, and then you have Lacey come in and win this thing with, you know, her, the big fancy entrance or somewhere in this thing. But no, they, they reserved that for later on in the main show, which once again was, you know, nonsense filler that, hey, when you're looking at seven and a half hours, even in a minute and 30 seconds would be very, very welcome from the audience. I'm just not sure what the end game is because it felt like we were trying to build it to an Oscar thing. So it'd be Oscar versus Lacey. And then we heard that the creative for that fell apart. And so then we, we have, she just shows up randomly here a couple of weeks ago after not being on TV for like three weeks. And I, I thought that this would be the payoff for it was in the women's battle Royal. Like what is the payoff for Lacey Evans at this point? I, I wonder if we're at a point here where they don't have one. They're not entirely sure. And that's not a reason say, to keep doing say, it. You know, uh, unless, unless we really get something moving this forward, advancing this thing in the next two days, then it, then it surely is, you know, proof that they don't know what to do with it. Let's talk about the raw tag team championships. The streak is over. Oh, and 269 is how Kurt Hawkins losing streak would come to its conclusion. The major brothers defeat the revival in 13 minutes and 20 seconds. I, Rick, I, I, I kind of joked with you the other day and said that Zack Ryder's new gimmick is going to be I win titles at WrestleMania and then I lose them on Monday Night Raw. I absolutely expect the Major Brothers to lose these titles tonight on Monday Night Raw, and it seems that WWE is teasing that in the prediction show for Raw. There's no actual matches announced for Raw, but they are teasing that the Raw Tag Team Championships will be on the line tonight against someone. Hey, you know what? You joked about it, but what a gimmick that would be. They, all you do is win titles at WrestleMania. And, and that's hit. like the one day of the year you can win. Yeah. And then the next, you know, the next day you, you hand the title back over and you go right on back to being Zack Ryder for another 364 days until you get an opportunity at another championship at WrestleMania. Hell, that is a tremendous gimmick. Congratulations to Zack Ryder, by the way. He and uh, Chelsea Green getting engaged over the weekend. Hey, what a what a great. What a great weekend for, for Zack Ryder, right? Uh, and also for Kurt Hawkins. You know, it, I, it could have been a little bit bigger, a build more suspenseful for, you know, to break to break that streak, to get that boulder off of his shoulder. 
But hey, let's be honest with this. What this was, this was a Hulu match main event. But again, I'm going to reference. Thank you so much for letting us kind of uh, live the moment through your eyes, Big Ray Hernandez. This was a WrestleMania moment in the making. That place was lit. Well, I mean, that's basically two hometown boys. Right. And that's what they wanted to do. They were representing. And as as I was putting over earlier, hey, the faithful, they showed up early in full force. This place was rocking when this match went down. The sun's just starting to set. You're starting to get that little, that ambiance there in the arena, in the stadium. This place was electric for this match. And it was, I'll, I'll give it to WWE the perfect placement to kind of uh, light, you know, to, to light the uh, the wick before you blow this thing up to start to show up. Great. Great for them. Great moment. Great for the audience. This was surely one of the highlights, probably one of the biggest highlights for, ever for a kickoff show. Now, imagine if you can, ladies and gentlemen, this is about the time when I got my Internet back. All right, so I have a, a apartment full of like nine people who are here to watch WrestleMania, and we don't have any WrestleMania. And these are like the most casual of casual fans. Like they watch once a year. And so we get it back on, and we get the show back on, and everybody's excited. And the next match out is Braun Strowman winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal with two jackasses from Saturday Night Live cutting promos and the whole thing. And like, by the time we got to Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar, people were already checking out at my place, like dicking around on their phones and shit. Like this entire Andre Battle Royal was awful. Well, it's almost as if losing this kickoff show for a little bit actually helped your party. Yeah, a little bit. And I have a feeling it helped a lot of individuals, you know, around the globe to just force a break to give you something where you're not just continually being fed the pre-show panel or the kickoff panel and the different promo packages. It all around, that would be an interesting thing to just from kickoff to the very end of WrestleMania, we look at match time, promo these promo package times. That would be very interesting to me. Just the repetitiveness of it. And I know you're trying to set people in the moment, but they're so long. I feel like you should just cut these things in half. I get wanting to get that final hype to get people back in that moment, but they just start dragging. And I got a feeling that so many casuals felt that way, especially on this pre-show. And then when you're, you're looking at this cool set and you've seen some – you just saw a tremendous moment like the tag team championships switching hands. And for a lot of the casuals, they, they don't understand exactly what Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder are all about. You know, it, you tell them about that losing streak. They think, hey, that's kind of cool. We want to sing. They, they don't know where they're at on the card or something like that or people that go week to week watching this stuff. So that's a very cool moment. You see how excited the energy from that stadium. And then you go to something like this where – what really killed me in this battle royal, just not even the match and the antics going on there, is the amount of time it took to just even get this thing going. I joined it in progress already. So. Oh, okay. No, the entrances, they bring out the SNL guys. That's weird. And then they bring out the Hardys. And then there's like this – then they all then they go to the, uh, the preview package and tell you what's up with the SNL guys. So I think by this time, this is like the second or third time we have seen this. And then you have Braun. 
So, like, the entrances were damn near as long as the match. Good God. Uh, the I will I will put one thing over from this uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. We had been calling for the moment between Braun Strowman and Walter to go down inside of this thing. Of course, Walter not in the match, but one man who was in the match that we weren't expecting was Luke Harper. And we did get a stare down between Luke Harper and Braun Strowman. And suddenly I realize I really want to see that match. I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah, I, I, I won't. Uh, let's go ahead and throw it over to the main card. Rick, uh, you were alluding to it earlier. Um, I don't have it, including the pre-show. I didn't bother to add it up. But there was basically three hours of wrestling on this show in a five-hour show. There, there was in basically a, a two and hours. And a half hour show. Two yeah. and a half hours. Okay. But about three hours worth of wrestling. Okay. Uh, you know, opening up here, and immediately, you know, what jumped out to me when they opened up with the Universal Championship, two things came to mind. The first was all the marquee babies are going over because this is going to be a three chapter, never ending novel, if you will. This really felt to me this match was essentially the the main event of the pre show. Yes, very much so. It, this was the main event of the pre-show. You come out, you set the tone here. And I think, you know, it, it sent a great deal of excitement through the arena when you saw, and, and, hey, well, even the open, you know, I, I know you hate it, but there was a big pop for Hulk Hogan. People are still, the Hulkamania is still running wild. It was a nice little way to, to kind of get some juice going back in there, let them know, hey, we're kicking it off in a big way. And then when you saw Heyman kind of just, you know, nonchalantly make his way out and, and Past Bliss and Hogan to the to the ring, you're like you're thinking to yourself, "There's no wow, what do we got? No way, right? We're gonna open this thing with a Universal Championship." Love how he put that over. If we're not gonna be last, we're gonna be first because we're getting the hell out of here. And by the Love time it. this show was over, Brock Lesnar was sitting at a bar in Las Vegas and probably intoxicated because that's how long this show went. Yeah. But yeah, as soon as that happened there, and, and then my other thought was, yeah, because they're going to do. You got open, middle, and close. That's the way they're laying this thing out. It's almost like they're trying to get three shows into this thing. Unfortunately, it didn't play out like that. Because by the time you got to the third act, you were so drained from the other two that that it completely fell flat. But hey, I, the people got what they want. The Universal Championship is going to be present, presumably be present every week. I don't know. Seth Rollins defeats Brock Lesnar. The match goes two and a half minutes. The actual match, bell to bell, goes about two and a half minutes, not including the beatdown before the thing started. Um, I, I have a couple of issues. All right. Number one, I felt like the crowd popped simply because Brock Lesnar lost the title. It, it, they, they, they didn't pop because Seth Rollins won the title. They popped because Brock Lesnar lost the title. That was the important part. It didn't matter who was doing it. I And to have Seth win basically by punching Brock Lesnar in the dick was a terrible idea. I don't care how you justify this. Like There's no justification for the man that is being at least portrayed as your number one babyface to be winning championship matches by punching somebody in the dick. Well, if it's good enough for Taker, it's good enough for Rollins, right? 
That's the old taker trick. Take down Lesnar, punch him in the dick. Yeah, it, it, it just does not translate well, especially with ever, all the dick punches that we have seen over the course of the last year and them all coming from heels. And it makes Seth Rollins look weak. The only way that you could beat Brock Lesnar is you had to punch him in the dick. Come on, hasn't hasn't AJ kind of like let loose a couple of times? The frustration after, I mean, yeah. Well, if I anyone, think that was anyone, more in retaliation than anything. Say, if, it, if anyone you know knows the, the plight of the dick punch, it's AJ Styles. True story. That, that poor man. But it, it, like you just said, it goes back. It, it could have been anyone. It could have been Hornswoggle. Yeah. Yeah. It's it just. I mean, who's? It, it could have been Baron Corbin. It could have been Charlotte Flair. Anyone would have sent that crowd into a frenzy because it wasn't about the individual claiming the championship, it was just about getting it off of Brock Lesnar. And we saw this. Even in the build, they got even Seth himself. That was his message. I'm here just to represent these people because they don't want you. It's not because they're rallying behind Seth to come riding back into Raw as the conquering champion. It's by any means necessary, please just go, just go get the championship. So it wasn't that you're right. It's not about creating, you know, a righteous hero or someone that you really could see is a true face of a brand. It's going to represent the values, the virtues of competition and, you know, what what we should see right in professional wrestling. This was by any means necessary. Just get the title off Brock. And ultimately, you know, sure, it was great for the moment. It got a huge pop there. Uh, people watching at home were a little excited. That's, you know, for the majority were. But is that to, is that it's not is that the story you want to tell going forward? And immediately after these two and a half minutes happened, it, the narrative completely changed because it wasn't about Seth Rollins winning the Universal Championship. It was okay. Now what the hell just happened? Because we knew Brock Lesnar was in negotiations with the WWE. It's also come out that Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Cormier could be going down in August. What the hell happened? Because this is not the way that this thing was supposed to go. I just, I don't believe that. After the matches that we have seen out of Brock Lesnar against Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, I don't believe a two and a half minute dick punch to quick title change curtain jerker WrestleMania was the plan going into this thing. What happened? Very interesting observation there. I mean, we've seen Brock giving us some of his finest work since, you know, since the return after the extended leave. And, well, let me ask you this, though, because they made a point to 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 message that in the build. He's had these great matches. These little guys have pushed him and we got the complete opposite here. So was that the was that the plan all along? Is this something that they've known? So they were kind of planting those seeds for something different to swerve everyone? Or was there a last minute? I, I think something went down because I my first hearing of Brock versus Cormier in August was yesterday morning, shortly after we got done recording the ROH G1 Supercard. Then you have Brock Lesnar in the curtain jerker and Seth Rollins beats him in two and a half minutes. It very much feels like there's some kind of political play being pulled here. Well, even with that going in the curtain jerker, I mean, but it works out, though, because you're telling these three different stories. You want to space these things out to have all of your babies. I mean, it makes sense from different from both sides of this. I mean, it could have just been as easily as they wanted this thing to go later in the night. They needed they knew they would need something short at the end of the night so they could transition real quick. 
So they were going to go with this thing because the real opener, it felt like AJ versus Orton was the opener for WrestleMania. And it really did. And that's where you start your second act. Yep. So, you know, it might have been, hey, we've we've heard it before. Brock throws a fit. I want the hell out of here. This is fucking bullshit. Get me out of here. Okay, you're going on first. We're going to get and then you can get the hell out of here. So that's going to be one of those reports that, that we're going to have to see develop. Because I, I can see both sides of this thing. It, it could have been Brock is pissed. This could have been the plan all along. But it's it's just funny, though. Anytime we see Brock, especially if he's going to lose, immediately the the big rumor, everyone's got the scoop. Oh, he he's already he's going. He's going back to UFC right away. Let's talk about AJ and Orton. The match you know, goes. This, this very well could be a play that they, they just want to put the title back on him in Saudi. It, that's a very real possibility. AJ Styles defeats Randy Orton 16 minutes and 20 seconds. It's a three-star classic, you know. Um, I thought this was good. I didn't think that it was great. I think it would have been completely sufficient as the opening match of WrestleMania. It was just, it was kind of there. I was a little surprised to see AJ get the win. I think this absolutely continues coming out of WrestleMania, and eventually Randy Orton's going to win this feud. Yeah, well, we talked about this on, you know, when we were previewing the show. This isn't the end for these two. This is simply the beginning. So what you do is you come out of the gates and you let, you know, the indie fan base, we'll call them, the, you know, the darlings, if you will. You let them think they've got, they've got you. Ooh, we got them at WrestleMania. But the thing, this by the time this thing is all said and done, Randy Orton will firmly have established that being cut from just pure WWE stone is superior to the path that AJ Styles took. Uh, so they gave them the early win. They said so they're, they're sucking in those darlings, if you will. You're right. This would have been, and this felt like the opener to me. This is why talking about you know this this three chapters that they had here in this never ending novel. The the only issue I had with it, I, I really enjoyed the match. It's just hard with the flow of it when you just came off that high of seeing that title change and. And not just a title change, Brock Lesnar getting defeated, which is something that's so rare. And that's what they were going for, people that sit there and complain he doesn't show up as a coward, a champ should be there every week. You, it wouldn't have been as effectful for Seth Rollins or, or the loss. You know, that's what added to the importance of Brock losing because you don't see it that often. So you're in that moment. That audience is still buzzing from that. 16, 20 minutes later, get AJ Styles again. The crowd's still hot for this thing. I liked it. It was a good WrestleMania match, I thought. But this is just the beginning. Yep, I agree. The Usos defend the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships in a fatal four-way against the Flying Dutchman, The Bar, and Nakamura Day. Match goes 10 minutes. I've got it probably about three face slaps. Uh, but really, the only thing of any mention that happened inside of this match was the... Sheamus beating on people while Cesaro just sat there swinging ricochet around for what seemed like forever. Well, when we look at the state of the SmackDown tag division, we say this thing went about 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Uh, I could see, you know, when you really lay out the, the ratio of wrestling to promo time or I don't know, nonsense time, if you will, Maybe you give these guys a little bit more because of all the talent you've got in here. But I think, you know, on a 
standard card. I think this was a given enough time. They hit their, a few big spots. It wasn't like there was tremendous build or excitement about this thing. And it kind of was filler here. So go out there, get get a spot, make a moment, which they did. Thought they had a good finish. I was okay with this match. So what do we do with Ricochet and Alistair Black at this point? Do you believe that they are still... I mean, they really stood out here. I mean, they, they let them shine through their entrances. The last one's out. Crowd was eating it up. It, it has been a long, a long question, you know, since they began their journey together, fans asking kind of why and when will it end? So I guess that is the big question. Is it time for it to end? Do you do it abruptly? Do we do it over these, the course of these next two days? I'm wondering you, if you wait until next week and you just have one of them get drafted to one show and one get drafted to the other. Yeah, I would tend to say, but that's just because I hate the shakeup. I think the whole concept of it is so lazy. But that's an easy way, and that's probably what I expect that they'll do, just to separate them together in ways so they don't have to try to overthink it, overbook it with some kind of turn on one or messy angle, something like that. I don't want a feud between these two guys. I, I don't want. I don't think. Especially, I don't want to see a feud with them. I don't know where it really has a place on the card. In importance, but it's not necessary. I mean, why? Yeah, yeah like they, they they teamed up, they went and they won the Dusty Classic. They they had a couple championship matches in between. Now it's time for them to go their separate ways. Maybe they come back together someday. Who knows? Well, I mean, I could see. Yeah, kind of like your thing. You split them up, each go to a brand, and then establish themselves as you know solid mid card contenders. Hall of Fame video package comes up after that, and then we go directly to another video package of Shane McMahon and The Miz. Now, Rick, I guess my issue here is I feel like I have seen this video package like six or seven times before I saw it here, and I didn't even get to see most of the pre-show. This is the one that really stood out to me. And I do want to point out here as well. This is what you started, you know, in our little private chat during the show. This is what you started complaining. Well, already you were complaining about the ratio of promo time and video packages to pure and ring action. Well, at one point we were 80 minutes into the show and there had been like 28 minutes worth of wrestling. It was right around this point because I remember, you know, going back and forth with you. You're complaining about the Hall of Fame thing. That's part of the show every year. It doesn't need to be that goddamn long. For real. When well, you're on a seven and a half hours, I'm looking for shit to cut out of this show to get it down to be a tolerable three and a half hour show. I'm starting with this shit. Well, here's what I need on this thing. You know, have them already out there on the stage. Just briefly go through them. Acknowledge them. You know, they're Hall of Famers. Give them that moment. What I didn't like about that is the overkill with DX. And I, I really didn't like having Triple H out there. Yeah, it didn't make it feel like he was very focused on his upcoming match, did it? You're gearing, you're gearing up for a potential career-ending encounter with a guy that absolutely hates you. He's not just here to wrestle. This guy is here to end you, and you're out there playing grab dick with your old buddies. Now, I did think I thought it was going to be kind of cool when, uh, I guess, X-Pac, they were trying to do that photo op, and he was off running around talking with the audience or doing something. I thought Batista had gotten it. Because oh, it, that it didn't pan nice out. Touch. Yeah, we were like, just have him just where the hell did he go? And then kind of left that linger, you know, what, what had happened going on. But no, but yeah, this this video package is what really got me. I think this, it felt like this thing went 
15 minutes. It had to go at least five minutes. And this goes back to, I understand the point of, for some of these big matches, giving us the that recap throughout the, throughout the thing. Because, well, let me ask you, you had quite a few casuals there with you. What was their, I mean, did this help them enjoy? Did, did this kind of bring them up to speed on, on what was unfolding? You know, why this thing is so important? It was really more so a matter of, oh my God, Shane McMahon is still wrestling? What a joke. And then back to the cell phones. Like it just, it didn't engage them at all. I think about every one of these, these hype packages could have been cut in half. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was exactly the case here. This one felt like as if it went longer than the match itself. Uh, you create a few moments in there, you know, you got the memes running around now of Miz's dad in there throwing up the oh. Dukes against Shane. That part, you know, that really worked for me, it, but let's be honest with ourselves. Shane McMahon in a WrestleMania match would see the stories coming in. He was very dissatisfied with his match last year. He was looking to put, you know, put forth a performance of the ageist one that would redefine Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. So as we, and everyone knew as soon as they slapped the gimmick on it, falls count anywhere. We were just working our way to one of the, you know, somewhere with the set so that Shane could make his plunge. And it was an absolute swing and a miss. Yeah. Um, and much like most of his punches through the course of this match, it's really, really hard for me to enjoy a Shane McMahon match when his punches look that awful. I mean, there, and there's no excuse for it for as long as he's been doing it. I, he just, it's just awful. I did like the finish. I will put over the finish. I thought the, the superplex into, whatever that was, the giant mattress pad, but the explanation, yeah, the, the, purple, the purple mattresses, but the explanation of the finish from Corey Graves, whereby, you know, just the, the human anatomy of a superplex, that's how you land with your head and shoulder on top of the individual that delivered the move. And thus the one, two, three was counted. I really like the finish, even though I didn't care for the match. I think it was a good out for him. They found a way out without making Miz with an over kind of book screw. I think it was just a mistake. Uh, the only thing is you had this misfire here using, uh, you know, going for a maneuver and not kind of realizing where positions your body. We actually had seen the same situation in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal where Andrade eliminated himself. Performing with a stupid a, move. Yes, just couldn't contain himself, which is very odd for a guy whose entire like basis of his character is Tranquilo. Well, you know, imme- immediately when when that went down, it was like, oh, that's great. Guess he wasn't watching the pre the kickoff show because he saw Andrade kind of pull something where, you know, where it's just the positioning, the anatomy, as you said, the way it works out, the physics of it could leave you in harm's way. I mean, and, and to me, it just and to me, I don't know. I, I like the in theory, how they thought out the finish, but I didn't like the bump at all. I thought it, it that's just, it just looked cheesy, right? Right. With I mean, that, 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 that'd, that'd be cheesy. just like me going out here, climbing up on my roof and jumping into my pool. And want you guys to think I'm a badass. Right. Yep. Um, after that, we got a commercial for money in the bank before we go to the, 
one of the stranger bookings of the night for me, the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match, the Boss and Hug Connection defending against LOP, the Iconics, and the Heart of the Phoenix. Um, Iconics come out with the titles. I mean, like, I ain't saying I'm mad. I'm, I'm completely okay with this. But now what for this division? Because, you know, we could we had a lot of very, very good matchups kind of on the table that we could go to with Sasha and Bailey as the champions. But instead, now we have the Iconics and it's like, I don't want to see the Iconics versus the Sky Pirates. That's that's not a takeover worthy match. I don't know if there is a lot of, you know, when you were when you look at at Sasha and Bailey and how these titles were supposed to be defended across all the brands, they truly were tremendous representatives that you felt could go to any brand and put on at least a solid outing. Uh, and then if you, you know, send them to UK or NXT and you could get some unbelievable in-ring performances, you talk about people that want to be wowed, that you want to put a division and put women on a map, they could have carried that. Now with the Iconics, you, you're going to get sports entertainment. And usually I would try to put a twist on this thing where, okay, let, I mean, let's, let's look beyond the ring. Everything's not about, especially in WWE, about what goes on bell to bell. You got to look at the PR, you know, how you're touching the fan base, all those other intricates that go into this thing. But Sasha I and Bailey are better for that too. I, I was just going to say, I honestly cannot find one where the Iconics are, are overwhelmingly favorite as opposed to Sasha and Bailey. And I like the Iconics. I even like the idea of the Iconics challenging for these titles. Maybe they get one up on Sasha and Bailey here and there, and you know they actually get themselves over and whatnot. But I just I don't know where this entire women's division goes with the Iconics sitting on top. And what my fear is here is the same thing they did with the women's championship. We talked about this on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast when we previewed WrestleMania. If you remember, when they introduced that title, it was Charlotte's got it. No, Sasha's got it. No, Bailey's got it. No, Charlotte's got it back. No, no, it's... And, and that was all over the course of about six weeks. They were just hot shot booking the title because they were trying to build a lineage of the championship. And that's now my fear with the women's tag team titles as well. I almost wonder if this was, you know, a case of babies versus heels. Keeping score on this thing, uh, babies 12, dickheads 4. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very uh, good point. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those turnarounds where we see them drop these things back here in the next couple of days. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Poor tag team division. Well, then you know, then you talk about your lineage because then you can the first two time women's champions. Well, the belt's only been around for a month, right? <laughs> well, it's six weeks, maybe tops. Let's talk about the WWE eco-friendly mid-card championship of the world. Daniel Bryan defending against Kofi Kingston. This should have been the main event. I was going to say, let's talk about the true main event. Uh, let's say main event two, you know, the closing of act two. Yep. I uh, I questioned on the G1 Supercard review that, you know, we had seen all these four-star matches out of TakeOver. We had seen all these four-star matches at G1 Supercard. I think WWE got one here. Kofi Kingston capturing the WWE Championship. I've got it at four face slaps. I thought this was by far the best matchup on the show and everything. We, we predicted this, that everything after this match was going to fall flat. And that's exactly what happened. 
and there, there's a, we'll, we'll get into that. But let's talk about the match itself here. An extraordinary moment. I have to be honest with you. You know, seeing Kofi there with his sons, and how natural those two. You see them, them hit them ring ropes. They're Heck all over. yes. They were all over the little one, even coming into the ring. He knew what he was doing. He's ready to go right over the top. You talk about you talk about dad spots in the Royal Rumbles. Watch out for these two. Yep, they're they're, they're uh, going to be fun to watch. Have to, have to be honest. At the very end of this thing, hard not to tear up a little bit. And, and outside of, and I know the. the how proud the African-American community is, you know, that after all of these decades, after decade, after decade, finally, they can feel that they can truly say, you know, one of their own has claimed the WWE championship and rightfully so. What a tremendous moment in itself, but for everyone, everyone that's, you know, that's worked their way up a ladder, that struggled, that's fought, that thought they could never break through a ceiling that thought they would be stuck in, you know, just the mid card of life. This is an accomplishment for everyone. I mean, Kofi went out there and did this for everyone. This is what true WrestleMania moments are are meant for. This is how you define this event. Uh, I really enjoyed the interaction, especially with Big Eve and Xavier Woods, because this was also for them. These guys have been on this journey, and they've said this, this is a brotherhood. And this this is the perfect reason for all those times we talked about split them up. It's getting a little stale here. This is why you ride that out, because they did this together. You know, you even how the Kofi got here, you had a little issue with it. You know, why were they deciding it? This is why, because they're a part of this. This is they did this together. Uh, that in itself, that was tremendous. To have Daniel Bryan be on the other side of that, the you know the person, the persona that created the last moment like this. Bryan was so good last night. Absolutely tremendous. And you got to think with all the creative control that Bryan has, that he had to help lay so much of this out because he knew. He knows what this means for someone like Kofi. Yep, absolutely. Great uh, moment all the way around. Great, great match. Edge, edge of the seat stuff. I mean, there was a couple times in there, you, everything's pointing for Kofi. And there was a couple times in there, you kind of hold your breath and thinking, hell, Daniel might do this. Now, let's talk a little bit about social media because there was a little bit of a flub here. Uh, these T-shirts that Big E and Xavier revealed went live and were available for sale about five minutes before this match ended. Now, what I'm assuming happened is that they were on a time release. We have done this before, especially with Twitter, where we can set throughout the course of a day. I have an app that will time release tweets. It happened about five minutes before the finish of this match. Where would they have gained five minutes in this match or, or on this show? Uh, well, at this point, that's Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. The entrances and the match time. That's what set things off. That's why that email blast and tweet went out when it did. I'm telling you, something rotten in the state of Denmark. Congratulations to Kofi Kingston, though. I said great observation there because, you know, I, I time release stuff every day. You know, as I'm sitting here watching the show last night, I time released all of my all of my, you know, my clients that need stuff out early in the morning. Uh, I knew we had to sit down and record. I have a handful of clients that are already open, getting ready to open here at 11 Eastern. So I have all that stuff time release ready to go for the morning. Very nice observation there. But let, I did want to ask you here about the placement of this match as opposed to the, the true main event that we got. And 
there is a general feeling here that I, I've seen reading through, you know, multiple discussion groups and, and just the people that I follow online that this should have closed. This should have been the moment. Is, is this a case, though, where going back to how we've seen the weekly programming, even on Raw, the closing segment on Raw is not the most important. It's that transition between hour two and three. That is the focal point of that show. That's where they really want to hammer something home. Was that the point here with this match? They knew that the audience was still going to be alive, especially you know in in Europe, in Europe, on the East Coast, the Midwest. You're not going to be losing individuals yet. Was this purposely placed here? Was it the right call? Um, it, it ver- that very well could be the case because you look at the matches that went on after this, you have Joe and Mysterio, Reigns and McIntyre, uh, Triple H, Batista, Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley versus Finn Balor, and then the women's triple threat. I mean, there, there's absolutely a, a bit of a lull after this match. And well, I mean, so that, that would make an awful lot of sense but yeah i there's other things that say there's no way i mean triple h and batista is after this and then you have the women's triple threat after this you got to stay tuned and you got to see all of that i I know they're not expecting people to leave but they know it even on on a monday they're not expecting you to leave but they know it's going to happen right and you leave some of those other matches because yeah hopefully there's a reason for people to stick around but ultimately this is a grand moment wrestlemania is about moments triple h and batista are not going to give us the moment that we're talking about even within a month from now especially years from now this is one of those now what i'm getting to is when you stack them up in wwe's eyes what's more important which one do you want to be out there on that wider range kofi kingston winning which represents, you know, to me, the the average Joe, the struggle finally overcoming, but also has the tones of, hey, we've just crowned our first African-American WWE champion. Or is it the women in those positions they were? We're actually closing the show with them. They are what we're calling. We're finally recognizing there's a true main event. And then we've got this uh, one, you know, winner takes all triple threat thing. It's difficult to say. Well, we'll come back to this when we talk about that women's match, um, because I think there's some other forces at play that go with that as well, because I don't think that women's match ended the way that it was intended to end. Well, I, I do. I, I agree with you there. But even on the placement, you know, that thing's going late. I'm wondering, I, we'll dive into it here a little bit more, but to kind of lay it out there and get everybody kind of thinking about this thing. I don't think they really ever intended that match to be that tremendous. It was more about a PR machine for them. Oh, I uh, Being agree. able to just finally say, you know, with everything that we've seen with this evolution, it seems so forced just to say, oh, we've done it, we've done it, we've done it. We're, we're finally a part of the, the women's movement. We love women. We finally got on board. You know, the hell with just outside sports and entertainment. We're about a decade behind the, the curve here. I, I don't think they really intended it for to be all that great. And it was just about that moment. But I also wonder, you know, in putting Kofi in that spot, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much they play up first African-American champion. It sounds great. Thank you for finally doing it. But when are they going to start questioning your company's been around for decades and you've had dozens and dozens and dozens, hundreds of African-American superstars and you finally are getting to this? Don't pat yourself on the back for being 60 years late to the party. 
Exactly. Uh, let's talk about Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio Jr. Match goes all of about one minute. The The general consensus here is that Rey Mysterio is a bit more injured than he had hoped, but he at least wanted to go out there and show off his new gear that he got made for WrestleMania. That's pretty much what I took out. I, I have no problem with Samoa Joe getting a dominant win here, but this just felt very, very different than it did when Roosh just destroyed Dalton Castle early on during the ROH G1 Supercard, which went about 30 seconds. Like, I was surprised this match was only one minute because I would have guessed it was closer to three. It felt like Mysterio got way more offense than just a one-minute bell-to-bell. I wonder if this is one of those things where they actually finagled the time. That could be, too. Yeah, it did seem like it went a little bit longer than that. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I know a lot of people who seemed a little disappointed saying, obviously there's something else, there's something deeper going on with Ray there. We've heard the uh, injury rumors. Yeah. Cause we didn't get any of the Dominic stuff or none of that. Cause they had made a big right. deal that Dominic was going to be front row and he wasn't even mentioned. Right. Uh, hey, again, this is fine with me. Everyone's been talking about Joe. Can he deliver in the moment? He's fallen short so many times. He can't win a big match. And he goes out here and dominates at WrestleMania. This is what someone like Samoa Joe does. And he looked impressive standing there on the ramp during this exit, holding the title, letting you know this is what Samoa Joe is all about. You want the United States Championship, come get it because he's going to put you down. I was fine with this. Uh, Booker T with, uh, you know, he, he commentates a one-minute match, and yet we're still able to get the best Booker T sound bites of the whole show. Booker T says Ray's not 100%, but he wanted to represent his country. The, the United States. Yeah. What? That just, it was like, they were trying to play it off. Like he was fucking Mexican. He's out here with it because of his Mexican pride. No, he was born in the United States and everybody knows that Booker. You fucking moron. Jesus. Yeah, I think Booker T would know that. He's only worked with him for 25 years. I missed that line. I don't even know. I, I did. I like this thing. I like this thing at the end. He's like, I did hours of prep for this match. <laughs> I missed the, miss the country thing. So I, did, I guess I'll have to go back and check it out in the contest that he said it. Let's, uh, let's go back and let's talk about Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre happened on this show, and I think it's one of the most forgettable matches on this show. Rick, we were talking about how this could be potentially a WrestleMania 36 main event down in Tampa. This thing just kind of fell on its face. Uh, if anyone had the foresight to actually plan this for next year, Everything went wrong in this match uh, from except from just card placement. As you said, you know, you flip flop this thing with uh, AJ Styles and Randy Orton and we'll probably have the same opinions differently about them. Yeah, that's you know, true. because your energy is still up early in that show. You could have had this thing at this time. You know, we're all starting to you're, you're starting to look at look at the clock and you're counting down how many matches are left. What other skits do we have planned out that we still get to get through? Yeah, it's this thing really missed the mark, and I, I didn't deliver all that much inside the match uh, there at at the stadium. It didn't seem that Roman got the the warm welcome that they had expected. Not at all. And, and I don't know if that, that's exactly a case of we're how starting much of to that get is tired. five hours into the show. Yeah, 
Right. And this is about the time, too, you saw on social media, you saw people tweeting from inside the stadium of other individuals kind of nodding off, falling asleep. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this has to do with this card placement. And again, you've gotten people just not the the time that they've been here. This so this is about five and a half hours in. But when you're putting people on emotional roller coasters, highs and lows, and this thing really doesn't have much on it outside of its Roman's grand return, you know, it's WrestleMania, first singles match, beat leukemia. That wasn't enough to, to wake this crowd up. And I think that in the end, you could have done a lot more for everyone, just not the talent. Everyone had Drew gone over here. You, you do you do good by Drew going forward. You show that Roman still has to fight that that good fight. He's still got that uphill struggle. And it would have been a bit of a surprise, and you probably would have shaken that audience a little bit. So let's talk about Elias. Elias comes out and does his thing, and Elias is playing with himself, literally, as uh, it's Elias on piano and Elias on drums and Elias on guitar, until finally this nauseating charade that I did not need to see this far into the freaking show ends with the doctor of thugonomics. That's right. Not just John Cena making an appearance at WrestleMania this year. It's doctor of thugonomics, John Cena. This was fun, man. And I know that Big Ray had to have a blast with this. I'm sure Aiden had an absolute blast with this, assuming he was still awake. Um, this this is going to be one of the moments from this WrestleMania, as sad as that may be. But I thought this was a lot of fun. I'm glad, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it there in Iowa. And I, I know people enjoyed it around the globe. I'm sure it was electric inside the stadium. I didn't get this thing at all. I did, at this point, I didn't care. I didn't need this thing. This looked like my this looked like my 55, 60 year old uncle Tony trying to be pretty fly for a white guy to me. Like, I, it's funny because it's true. It, 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 this was. I think it, who, who did I see? Oh, uh, yeah. Our Brandon Xavier, our battle on the border heavyweight champion. Uh, he sends out on Facebook there in this John Cena looks like your, your uncle that just got out of the JC for trafficking drugs. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I think that pretty much summed it up. Well, since we're talking about old guys, let's move on to triple H and Batista. Uh, no holds barred. Everything goes. We get HBK on commentary. We have the appearance from Ric Flair at the end. We've got, I thought they were going to have a sword fight with freaking sledgehammers at one point. Uh, Rick, I, we made this comment weeks ago. And unfortunately, this is one of those instances where we were right. This was a really, really good 12 minute match that went on for 25 minutes. Yeah, unfortunately, it, cut it in half. You would have been fine. I think this was kind of a disappointment from the get-go. I mean, these, at least with this, we were expecting some grand entrances. Well, the best thing about all of it was Batista tripping hey. over the freaking rope to get into the ring. Then he gets out of the ring, walks back around, and climbs back in. Like you, you could just hear Bucky in somebody's earpiece. Oh, that's good, Dave. 
Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. We'll just edit that first one out there for you. I, I was going to say, not the trip. Everyone's tripping over the trip. I thought it was take two. That's what popped me. That's <laughs> the fact that they two. redid it. It's just freaking hilarious. When you go back and watch that five years from now, that never happened. That's going to almost be worth like to buy the collector's edition when it releases just to see <laughs> if they edit it out for take two in there. Oh, so I mean, funny. but come on, everything that he's involved in, and that's, <laughs> that's the entrance you get, though. I mean, a couple of the escalates coming out. Oh. And then Sasha Banks wants her entrance back. I, 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 and then all of the great movies that it wasn't Batista, the one that actually came out a couple weeks ago and said, yeah, rocks. All right. But I wouldn't take them scrub projects. What the hell was that movie promo that they ran out there? <laughs> You mean Triple Mad Max Hunter? No, no. The Batista movie, like Stuber or... Oh, yeah, that looks awful. Yeah, okay. That that's looks terrible. awful. If that's why you came back, please stay away next time, Batista. If you came back for the cheap plug of that thing. Uh, yeah, and then whatever the hell that was with Triple H, the Mad Max thing. That was, that was absolutely atrocious. It, it give us something here, especially... You got to feel that that the comic book nerds, they feel so slighted right now. They're expecting this grand, you know, Marvel theme, the Infinity Stone, whatever goes on there. And we get this bullshit. I don't remember which independent wrestler it is that I'm friends with on Facebook, but I, I was scrolling through and this might have been my pop of the night. He uh, he gave credit to Batista for going back to his indie roots and just dressing in his gear so he could just get out of the car and go directly to the ring. I popped really hard for that comment. Very nice. That's that's classic. That is nice. Uh, I will. You know what? The, the positive on the smash. And I told you this when we were when we were chatting back and forth during the show. Everyone's having a little fun at, at Big Dave's expense for the trip and all that. Seemed a little gas a little early. I could see, man, the nerves. He was excited. He was very excited. It's WrestleMania. It's a big stage. I want a, a hat tip. Thank you, Batista, for coming back and taking those spots. I mean, he could have phoned this thing in, and he yeah. went out there and gave it. He put his he put his body on the line. He didn't phone it in. He wanted to give a performance, and I think. You know, to the best of the ability and the time that he had to probably dedicate towards getting back in ring shape and preparing for this thing. He gave us what he had again, cut this thing in half, and we're probably thrilled with this match. Yep, absolutely. Let's talk about Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin Angle's retirement match. Oh, speaking of retirement, Batista announced that he is officially retired from sports entertainment this morning in case anybody is curious. I think that was just kind of a foregone conclusion. Thanks, Batista, for your service. Uh, Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. This match goes six minutes, and it was not very good. Uh, Kurt Angle loses to Baron Corbin. Now, I'm all for the tradition and professional wrestling that you go out on your back. But the idea is supposed to be that you're giving the rub to somebody up and coming. Does Does... Baron Corbin benefit from this at all? You won a bad match against a broken Kurt Angle. I think in the sense of Baron Corbin, he, he just turned it up another notch. Hmm. Now what that ultimate, what that ultimately means going forward, 
we'll have to let that play out. But I think, you know, the heat that he has, which is really is more of disgust, please go away. This definitely is going to add to that. I don't think this is over, though. That's the unfortunate part of it. Well, my issue with this was, Kurt, you hand-selected this individual, and it wasn't because you wanted to share in this grand moment with an individual. You know, this really wasn't, you know, like like Rick and Sean, where if it's going to be somebody, if I'm, if I'm going to go out, I want it to be you. But in this case, we know in either case, Kurt is going out. So he, he's probably, you know, in your mind – you want to give someone the honor of let's go out there and put on a five-star match. Let's wow everyone. Let's steal the show at WrestleMania one last time. If that's the case and Kurt loses, then I, I am perfectly fine with him getting right up, grabbing the microphone and giving that little speech. That was not the case. You selected Baron Corbin because you hate this guy. And the one thing you want to leave that one lasting impression you want to leave in everyone's mind is I finally shut him up. And he's a guy that I know you all personally hate. I shut him up, just not for myself, but for you. This is for all of us. This is for the You Suck movement. And you get defeated. You get defeated on a big mistake. Missing a moonsault, eating a finisher, and then within moments, you're up as if you're happy and and you're giving your farewells. It it seemed really forced to me. At at that point, I was thinking to myself, don't do it here. Get the hell out of the out of the ring, walked out dejected and later on save it for a, a raw advertising pitch. We're going to have a Kurt angle appreciation night for the true farewell. Yeah, I could have, I could have gotten behind that. I could have supported that. I also think, I think this is going to continue because Baron Corbin does the, you can't see me thing to uh, Kurt angle. And I have a feeling that now this is going to somehow spin off into John Cena and Baron Corbin and John Cena coming back to fight for Kurt Angle and maybe Kurt Angle's even in John Cena's corner when we get ruthless aggression. John Cena, I I, I don't like this at all. Baron Corbin is awful. He has go away. He, you know, the professor says that, you know, any reaction is a good reaction. And I told him, well, by that definition, X-Pac was the most over member of the attitude era. Baron Corbin is getting to that point for me. Yeah. That's what I said. You know, he's got that, he's got that chain, that channel changing ability. It's, and that's going to add to this, you know, people are, people are kind of dejected by this thing. Yeah. I wonder, you know, you're talking about John Cena. He's obviously still got to be in town. Well, you never know with Cena, man. He might have had some obligations already out of town, something like that. But could this be an opportunity to finally reintroduce Jordan? Oh, it could be if Jordan's ever going to wrestle again. I, I was kind of under the impression that that's done. Oh, it is done. That's that's kind of my, like, there's, doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of hope for Jason Jordan return. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Um, well, fuck me. Let's talk about Bobby Lashley, another guy who's saying, well, fuck me. Bobby Lashley goes down to the demon Finn Balor in all of four minutes to capture the Intercontinental Championship. I think Balor's entrance was longer than the match itself. Um, I, Damn, I, Aaron was a fucking lamer. Let me ask you this. You, you've known the demon for as long as the demon's been the demon. You've seen every in and out of the demon. You understand every little nuance of what this thing is supposed to be. 
What do you feel about the demon this morning as we're sitting here recording this? Meh. Meh. Like, I guess the, the, the one positive note here. Okay, if you are a Finn Balor fan, there's there. Well, I guess there's a couple of positive notes. Number one, this is the semi-main event, so you can't be too upset about the placement on the card. You got to have the cool entrance. Oh, there's semi-main event. You're 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 a two-time Intercontinental Champion. Um, I I I guess my issue is this match to me. When you go back and you watch Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. Was this not exactly the same match, but with Finn just finishing it? I guess in a sense. Uh, to me, I was so taken out of this thing. And I guess it began Monday when they announced the demon and how that went down. To me, and going back in the understanding of what this demon character should be, what this persona, what, what it is that come, you know, what it brings out in Finn everything here completely missed. I didn't feel any special vibe from that entrance. Mm-mm. Nothing. To me, it was a, a sound reminder. They have no idea what this thing is. And while it exists in the WWE, it is essentially dead. Still hasn't lost. I mean, it's like the one thing that's still sacred inside of the WWE. The demon hasn't lost. But I, I don't feel like the demon is taking off the way that it it rightfully I, should. I, I think it, it might not. It the demon might not have been pinned or defeated inside of a ring, but he's but definitely I think, lost. But I think it lost a long time ago. Yeah, it's good. Good way to put it. Um, Alexa Bliss walks out, announces the attendance eighty two thousand two hundred and sixty five. So, what are you thinking, Rick? About seventy k? At this point, I was thinking, shoot me. Yeah, can we please just shut up and get on with it? Yes, uh, that that was what I was thinking there. Uh, and then when they went to the dance break. Yes, that was way longer than seven seconds. I'm not even going to give it to you today. No, I'm going to say no. You get no seven second dance party because that bullshit last night went on for like at least 14 seconds, if not 28 seconds or 56 seconds or however goddamn long it was. Jesus. That probably that probably was the most enjoyable part about that segment is Graves. This is way longer than seven seconds. Let's get this show moving. Really, Corey? That's what we've been saying. We start, we've been yelling at for four hours. Well, Thank and then. Finally hearing us. And then. You know why Corey was so mad about that? Hey, he'd been sitting out there now for five hours. Yeah. And on all, all that commentary. Hey, I had to the graves, man. Pissing in the corner. Um, after all of this, then we get a WrestleMania 36 commercial for Tampa Bay, Florida. And then we also get another commercial for the new season of Ms. and Mrs. And then we get a video package to hype this main event. And then we get a ridiculously long, like, I know that you enjoy looking at Charlotte Flair. I don't need to watch Charlotte Flair riding in a helicopter for three fucking minutes. Like, what are we doing? It's like, here's Charlotte in a helicopter. Oh, here's a shot of MetLife Stadium. And back to Charlotte in the helicopter. And we're going to linger on Charlotte in the helicopter. It was like, oh, my God, can we just fucking get on with this? Well, yeah, we get it. Your dad did that. 
You're, you're recreating oh. that grand moment. We get it. And then Rousey has Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, which was as weird as I thought it was going to be. I, I did think it was very interesting. You could not hear the audience at all during Ronda Rousey's entrance. All you could hear was Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Like they killed all of the, the audience mics. So all we could hear was Joan Jett. I didn't hear the audience at all. There, you could you could pick up a little rumbling. I didn't think, I didn't think it had anything to do with killing the mics. I just thought the audience had. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, you cut out. But there. you could pick up some rumblings there. I, I I didn't think the audience got you know their mics cut. I thought they had actually had just left. Oh, that's that's entirely possible as well. Then the man uh, comes you, out. You could you could hear some rumblings. The man comes out with basically no fanfare whatsoever. I was really surprised by that. After I saw the helicopter and we know that we were going to have Jesse and the Rippers or, or Joan and the Blackhearts, whatever, doing their thing. I was I was expecting some kind of like over the top, you know, like Becky crowd surfing in or glass shattering something, you know. Nothing. Yeah, we just get her entrance. Yeah, nothing. Well, I, and then really looking at it, though. And thinking back, did you really need anything? Because, I mean, that audience is so firmly behind her. I mean, they were the grand entrance. The audience coming alive as they did. Yep. So the bell rings for this matchup to start at 12.01 a.m. on Monday morning. Congratulations, Big Ray. You were at the first two-day WrestleMania. Uh, This match ends up going for what felt like forever. Uh, 25 minutes. I've got it about four and a quarter. I thought the match was actually pretty decent. Um, and then there was the awful finish. Uh, what, what did you think of the match before the finish? You know, I, I really did like it. I thought everyone was was kind of physical. A lot of talking going on. Could really hear them. They're about turning down their mics. Uh, I might want to check yeah. on that production team there. Really could hear them. I like the story. With you know, Rhonda took that wicked bump to get herself out of there for a little bit. You had to eliminate her. Yeah, and I, this I like is that. one of those. This is one of those WWE booking tropes where you know we got to have Rousey and Becky face off, and we got to have Charlotte and Becky face off, and then we got to have Charlotte and Rousey face off while somebody's taking a dirt nap. It's just that's WWE booking tropes. Well, I think it especially works here with Rhonda's background. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you want to have her out, and it looked good too. I don't. It looked like it was a little awkward how she kind of hit the uh, edge of the apron there or did take that clean fall to the, to the floor. I, I like the story inside, you know, you've got, you've got, obviously Charlotte was there to carry this thing. She's your alpha. She can withstand those long haul uh, of taking the abuse in the ring. She's just built for it. The genetics are on her side here and she's a tremendous athlete and she's the alpha. That's why she is in there. Rhonda in a year's time has come such a long way. I don't, you know, going back to where she was one year ago to today, she has found out, you know, how to make her style work in there. I've said this last week. I'll say it again. It's going to be unpopular. Becky's a step behind those two. And I'll hold off to, for the overall thoughts on this thing. But I, I like the, I like the story in there. One thing that really jumped out to me, I love when Ronda refused the table. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. I did enjoy that. 
So you think they had those mics turned up because they wanted to pick Ronda up on that? Because she was cussing a lot. You think they were trying to just catch that intensity and then inadvertently caught you know caught them calling this thing? It could be because yeah, that that was a bit annoying when you could kind of hear what was going on in inside of the ring. What kind of attitude was when you could hear Ronda because that attitude, you know, the persona that we've seen. So I think it just kind of backfired on them. They had the intent of we want to be able to pick up the intensity, especially of Ronda here, but it picked up the match being called. So speaking of backfire, let's talk about the finish of this thing. Um, I My only conclusion is they listened to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast because I went on a tangent here about a month or so ago about who wins a match with a fucking crucifix. Um, Rick, this match ends with a crucifix. It's very, very clear. We have a disputed finish. I don't think that's the way that this finish was supposed to go down. I don't know where the breakdown in communication was, but this finish felt flat to me. It felt very, very flat to me. And like I said, I thought it was a pretty good match, especially given the WWE booking tropes that they have to jump through in order to pull off a triple threat match. As far as the WWE triple threat goes, I thought it was good, but the finish comes and everybody's like, wait, what? That, Really? That was the finish? And then they show the replay where you can clearly see that shouldn't have been the finish. Yeah, and you're, it makes brings up a question. It was something changed in there that do us on the fly, or just was it, you know, was the match just put together, you know, improperly? Or did the referee just plain screw up? Or, yeah, was there just a flat up, just, just mess up here? Uh, a huge mistake. And I was also seeing the defense, you know, kind of what this will mean. They want to, they want a suspenseful ending. That's not what you do at WrestleMania where the story is coming to, it's supposed to come full circle, come to a conclusion. This isn't like the middle of the show where, you know, uh, or even at the beginning where AJ Styles, Randy Orton are just starting a program and using this as a catalyst. This grand stage is a catalyst to get you more invested here. This is your closing moment. This is where you define something. This is supposed to be a moment that is left without question. And it was a swing and a miss here. It just fell flat. Now, if if we have a completely different finish for this match, like let's say that there is a series of false finishes before Becky Lynch finally taps out Ronda Rousey. Are we still feeling the way that we feel about the end of WrestleMania? Because it just, it, this is the second WrestleMania now in a row with a flat finish that everybody's just like, wait, what 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 just happened well I, I think this is the third wrestlemania like this because this is the third wrestlemania where we're pushing past the east coast midnight hour poor james money macgyver i mean he's getting into 5 36 a.m over in the uk and, and you're you're sitting here you're touting beating your chest about how you're this global this global entity the only people that that I don't feel sorry for right now is, you know, MSG over on the West coast is at least this thing ended at nine 30 for him. This goes right back to the issue that the the biggest, the biggest botch falls on WWE themselves for their event planning and and marketing of this thing. Yeah. Just did not work. I, I I have, I actually have a feeling. And when I was talking about, you know, match placement on this card, putting, you know, Kofi's moment in the middle of the show where you're going to get that the hottest reaction. 
Is that the moment that they truly cared about? Were they only using these women as a P is continue that PR machine now that they can now they have this footage, they can edit it any way they want. They can take this on Lady Ball tours and show this at all the women's movement conferences that Stephanie's going to. ESPN's gonna run with this for a little bit. TMZ, E Channel, yeah, all these other outlets are gonna run with this footage. Did WWE really care about the reaction from the audience or was this just about the PR movement for the women? Was it, was it really that they felt it was that important? Yeah. That's what I begin to question here with this thing. Yep, I have a feeling, I think you're, you're talking about if we had changed this finish, uh, yes, it certainly was going to get more of a reaction. But I still think at this point, you've got people so drained, so tired that you're only going to get so much out of them. You can only ride a roller coaster so long before you're just spent. And no matter what the closing match was, we saw it the last two years, it's felt flat. You said goodbye to The Undertaker one year, and you're so tired, it just feels flat. That's the issue. I even I think that if you flip-flop these two, you have a better reaction for this match in the Kofi spot, and then you'd have people kind of down on this Kofi thing. If had it gone off at one one thirty in the morning, so now let's talk a little bit about tonight. Uh, as I was saying, there is no matches advertised for tonight. Uh, to me, the Raw after Mania has almost become the spectacle that is WrestleMania. Like I, I almost get more excited for Raw after Mania at this point because this is where they get all the huge surprises we're kicking off the new year we've got debuts we've got returns everything is insane rick what are they going to do tonight on monday night raw who's going to debut tonight on monday night raw is there anybody not a such i mean there's not anyone i'm really expecting or really excited to see you know make a jump make a move no big returns that, that I like, can think of. I'm so intrigued. Like, and this is why I wanted to talk about Buddy Murphy. Like, Buddy Murphy might be the biggest debut that you see on Raw tonight. And to me, I'll be more disappointed to see him going to a red and blue, where I think he would thrive more under one of the other banners. So here is what's advertised for Raw tonight in order from WWE.com. The man brings the Raw and SmackDown titles to Monday Night Raw. Do you assume Becky Lynch opens up the show tonight? I think with everything going on, I'm going to say that Rollins opens. That's headline number two is Rollins slays the beast. the Universal Championship back to Monday Night Raw. Yep, Rollins slays the beast. That's the number two headline. So I would expect one of those two is going to open I Monday think, Night Raw. I, I, when I'm looking at importance here, you know you've got people tuning in. It's the it's the Raw after WrestleMania. It, it's one of the must see programs of the year. It's one of the must sees for them. Uh, I think you open up finally. The Universal Championship has come back to Monday Night Raw. So, Rollins is going to have it here every week. He's going to be a defending champion, and then you say Becky for that covenant transition spot between hours two and two and three headline number three the big dog reclaims his yard rick is there any chance that we see the beginning of the seeds being placed for seth rollins versus roman reigns for the universal championship tonight i don't necessarily think so i'm expecting tonight they're going to backtrack and try to let 
McIntyre get some of his heat back. McIntyre versus Rollins, is that the next program for the Universal Championship in your well, mind? Here's, here's another thing. Let's we gotta put everything on pause right now. I don't I don't know what if it's backlash that is the next actual event, but that doesn't matter. Because Saudi. everything is Saudi right now, and that is a special attraction. It's going to be what they have paid for. So you're still going to have to factor in. You know, that's what we got all this talk about Brock Lesnar. You know he's not going to want to miss that payday. Right. Uh, I would expect you have – I would expect you have Rollins at some point. If it opens or whenever it falls into the show, up there talking, you know, bragging, I've done it. I brought the title back because that's what it's all about. It's not about really Seth Rollins now as your champion. It's just that the Beast has been defeated. I would expect Paul Heyman to be on the scene to – take us to the next level, you know, issue the rematch. Brock Lesnar had the leave. You got lucky. You are lucky that he had obligations elsewhere to be. Yada, yada, yada. See you in Saudi. Second intercontinental title is quote too sweet for Finn Balor. Uh, Rick, we didn't even talk about the debacle that was the Hall and Nash appearance. You know, they try to create these WrestleMania moments and sometimes they just fall flat. That was one of them. Uh, what are we going to do with Finn Balor here tonight? You know, uh, when we were watching that, that wrestle, that, that follow up in the, the medical thing, first of all, how cheesy it says medical and it says morgue. <laughs> yes. Just awful. So those two had been sitting back there with ice packs for four and a half hours at that point. It, it, talk about some just little, little differences. If you're going to do the doctor get there and you have those two in there that were bad mouth and professional wrestling, how much would it have changed the tone if the doctor turned around and it was Austin and he'd hit him each with a bed with a bed pan? Man, my God, when, when the seven second dance break happened and Alexa bliss kept saying that it was time for a break, it was time for a break a break and then Carmella and truth came out and they're doing that stupid, awful dance. All I could think was, Oh my God, break the glass. I want Austin to come out here and stun all three of these sons of bitches, drink a couple of Steve Weisers and ride off into the sunset. Now you see, there's a few moments, no matter what time it is, you wouldn't care. T time stands still for moments like that. They didn't give us any of those. Uh, yeah. So we get the, the bad prostate little joke back there, but what the hell were we talking about? Intercontinental Championship. Yep. Stone Cold's lack of appearance at WrestleMania. More entertaining than Finn Balor's Intercontinental Champion. Uh, and the defeated streak ends for Kurt Hawkins. As I said, I expect that they will lose those titles tonight on Monday Night Raw. The question is, will it be to the Revival or will it be to someone else? Because we all know that there's all these great tag teams in the world that are just dying to get to the WWE. And one of them is going to debut tonight on Monday Night Raw and well, take okay. these titles. Oh, wait, no, there's, there's none of those. Well, we're, we're talking about we're talking about kind of a shakeup here. Uh, there was a rumor that the Uso someone's pushing for them to go to Raw. Could we get like a unification thing? I mean, that would be exciting. They did also just resign. Could you see the Hardys jumping brands a week early? Anything is possible. It's Raw after Mania, man. Anything well, is possible. I'm trying to, you know, what's available that would be exciting. Yeah, that, that's the thing. We've gotten to this point where when you look back at the legacy era stars making a return or you're looking for that big independent name to make their debut tonight, 
They're, it's just not there. I got it. They're good friends with uh, ENC. Edge and Christian come out and defeat the majors for the for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, I guess one thing we didn't talk about, and we'll, we'll wrap up on this. How about Eli Drake? Eli Drake, now a free agent, gets fired by Impact Wrestling the other day. Uh, I don't exactly know what to make of this whole story because everybody's just kind of assuming that it's because he said that he didn't want to fight Tessa. Um, I think that there's more to it than that because he's been pretty vocal about being unhappy in the company for a while now. Right, and I think I think it's, it's kind. Of, you know, he's one of those people that he knew that was maybe that was the right bear to poke. Yeah, that, you know, let, let me go. Be. And it just, just wasn't Tessa. It was he was going at the intergender wrestling. He's yeah. not a fan of it. Yep. So that was my statement on it. And this was the biggest. You know, outside of WWE yesterday, this was a hot piece of news here. This was something that has been has been bubbling for a while, and it seemed like it just it just hit its breaking point. And to me, it makes sense. You know, he's been kind of floundering there, lost in the shuffle. Doesn't seem like he has a, a real direction with their overall picture that they have now. It, yeah. It's time to go. It, it's not a knock on either side. I don't think it's a mistake on either side. I know people just naturally trying to take sides. It's something that's going to work out for for both of them. And immediately, you know, everybody go to AEW. I don't think that's a fit, you know, for what we've, what we can kind of assume from that direction. Uh, I, I could see a brief run maybe with the more sports, sports entertainment themed uh, ring of honor, you know, who we regularly put over. I think MLW would be a tremendous fit for him. That seems to be the best landing spot that I can think of. Well, I, I'll tell you what I'm, what I'm really looking forward to is where for him to come home for some spot shows. Future great wrestling, battle on the border, pro wrestling, back here in Southern Ohio where it all began. Hey, yeah, hey, Cody, Cody Hawk, his trainer. Future great wrestling. That thing's up and running weekly shows every week. Cody Hawk working with us at Battle on the Border. And let's not forget that Mox might be returning too. I mean, he could have you could have Dick Rick and, and Mox back here at the same time. You talk about a hot moment here in Southern Ohio wrestling. That's what I'm looking forward to. So that's going to wrap things up for your Monday locker room here at hackerhameen.podbean.com. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and then head over to hittingthemarks.com. And then you can drop Huckleberry and I another subscribe button over there. We'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, because, you know, we haven't done enough podcasting in the last couple of days. We'll be back tomorrow with an all new edition of HTM Sports talking the uh, the fallout here from the final four and what's going down there getting ready for the NBA playoffs. Until then, you can find me across all social media platforms at not jargo rbv how do the people find you i'll tell you what i'm going to end this i'm going to make one final plea to wwe you know 9.99 is great all the content on the network people are loving it but if we go back to paying 30 40 dollars will you promise us a hard out of 11 o'clock please and that doesn't mean that you get to start the shit at one good god All right, that's it for your Monday locker room. We'll talk to you Friday at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, hittingthemarks.com. For now, we're all going to bed. See ya! Yeah!
Say a bad